The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here's your top five at five. Stocks are under pressure as a rough earnings season casts some dark clouds over Wall Street. A historic bet for alphabets, but not in a good way. The stock falling ahead of the open. Fireworks in Harrisburg during the only, one and only televised debate between Pennsylvania Senate candidates John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz. Plus, the worst not over for Kanye West as more companies cut ties with a rapper turned fashion mogul. And later, investors are hungry for deals, bidding up one of the most high-profile IPOs of the year. It is Wednesday, October 26, 2022. You're watching Worldwide Exchange here on CNBC. Good morning. I'm Seema Modi in for Brian Sullivan. Let's kick things off with a look at U.S. futures after stocks closed higher for a third straight session yesterday. Pretty nice rally, in fact, but a slightly different picture emerging here when looking at the pre-market action. S&P 500 down about 19 points. Dow Jones Industrial is indicated higher, up by 20 at this hour. But the Nasdaq, you can see, feeling the pain here following those downbeat tech earnings currently set to open lower by 155 points. Let's check out what's happening in the bond market right now. Yields, where are they at? The 10-year note yielding 4.0%. We're lower right now uh, across the yield spectrum. And in energy, take a look at what's happening with oil right now. WTI crude, there we go, higher by four-tenths of 1% at $85. Brent crude, back above 93 if we take a look at what's happening in cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and Ether are higher. Uh, significant moves, I would say, rather. Uh, Ether up about 3%. Bitcoin above 20,000, up 2%. Let's get a check on the overnight action in Asia and early trade in Europe. For that, we go to Juliana Tattlebaum in our London newsroom. Juliana. Seema, good morning. Well, Asian equities managed to shrug off the negative sentiment that you saw after hours stateside. Green across the board, the Shanghai Composite in mainland China rallying about 0.8%. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong, which has been incredibly volatile this week. Of course, the heavy selling in technology shares earlier in this week, that showed some resilience up about 1%. Nikkei 225 in Japan, as well as the Australian market, gaining some ground overnight. In terms of European market action, we started a little bit sideways, then the positive momentum built, and now we have come down a little bit. So it's been a choppy session so far. The uh, Zetra DAX up about six-tenths of a percent. We have a little bit of underperformance for the FTSE 100, down a third of a percent, as well as uh, some losses for the Spanish and Italian markets. It's a big day for earnings here in Europe. Let me highlight a few of the big names for you. Deutsche Bank has posted a third-quarter net profit of 1.1 billion euros. It's ninth straight quarterly profit. The German lender was boosted by higher revenues from its investment banking unit while adding that it is starting to see the benefit from higher interest rates come through. Fairly muted reaction in shares, though, as these results came in largely in line with what analysts and investors had been expecting. 
One name, though, that took analysts and investors by surprise was Heineken. The company reported slowing beer sales growth, but reaffirmed its outlook as revenues rose 27.5 percent in the third quarter. Despite a sharp post-COVID recovery in the APAC region, the Dutch brewer says it increasingly sees reasons to be cautious on the macro outlook. And that is perhaps why we are seeing a 10 percent pullback. It's the worst performer in Europe this morning. Finally, in the auto space, an interesting set of results from Mercedes-Benz. The car maker posted third quarter earnings of 5.2 billion euros and raised its return on sales forecast by a percentage point to up to 15 percent. The German car maker sold 104,000 vehicles in the quarter versus 88,000 in the year ago period and shares are marginally higher this morning. Seema, back over Bloopers to you. There. Juliana, thank you. And to this morning's top story and a pair of mega cap tech names getting hit hard ahead of the open. First up is Google parent company Alphabet, a quarter filled with superlatives. The company posting its third straight top and bottom line miss for the first time since 2015. EPS came in 15 percent below estimates, biggest miss in 10 years. As for revenue, posting its slowest year over-year growth since 2020. Uh, And then there's Microsoft, also under pre-market pressure after issuing weak fiscal second quarter revenue guidance for each of its business units. Stock is down 5.6% in the pre-market. For more, let's bring in our own Arjun Karpal. And Arjun, the setup doesn't look good this morning. So many different things to discuss, whether it's the decline in YouTube ad sales or even cloud computing. But what, what stood out to you? Absolutely, Seema. Good morning. Let me dig into both of these companies and just kind of pull apart the results a minute to see what's exactly gone on here. Firstly, you mentioned their big miss on EPS and revenue for Alphabet. Now, really, this was about softness in advertising. Yes, the overall advertising did tick up slightly, but there was big concern over the fact that YouTube revenue declined 2% in the quarter. And that's the first time since uh, YouTube revenues declined since the company started breaking out those numbers in 2019. YouTube was always seen as this very sticky property for Google, something that was very attractive to advertisers. So investors seeing a decline there uh, have clearly uh, got some reason to be cautioned. There's also been a pullback in advertising spending from uh, some of Google's customers as well. According to management, they're cutting budgets and also potentially holding back some of that spend for the holiday period or over next year, given the uncertainties in the macro environment. On the back of that, Google saying that it's likely to see headcount additions lower in Q4 as it embarks on a little bit of cost cutting. One bright spot, however, in Alphabet results was cloud. $6.9 billion of revenue in the quarter, beating expectations. And certainly this is something investors want to be seeing more of, but not enough really to turn this story around. And that's why you're seeing the stock down in pre-market trade. Moving on to Microsoft as well. Now, this was an interesting one. It beat on revenue, it beat on EPS, but the stock was down. Investors really disappointing here with the cloud computing. That was really the dark cloud over the company. Revenue of $20.33 billion in the cloud uh, computing division. It just missed expectations. Still up 20% year on year in terms of growth. Azure grew 35%, but clearly that miss on cloud was a concern and the uh, slightly weak guidance uh, given to the market that implies just about 2% growth for Microsoft in the next quarter was also a concern. So slowdown in the tech sector is what's on investors' mind, and that's why I see both Microsoft and Alphabet down in pre-market trade, Seema. Arjun, reading through the earnings transcripts from Satya Nadella and Ruth Porat, Sundar Pichai, any sense as to when these CEOs are expecting a turn, a rebound in the market? 
Not at this point, Zima, to be honest. They're very, uh, I think, uncertain about the future, about the macro environment at the moment. I mean, you see that reflected in, in Microsoft guidance in the mid-range. It implies 2% growth in revenue, even though earlier this year they had said that they were expecting in their fiscal year some double-digit revenue and earnings growth. And so that is a concern because some of the, the shine of that uh, bullishness they had earlier this year uh, has gone. And so that, I think, reflects the uncertainty in the macro environment. Uh, if you look forward, it isn't just about... Uh, the slow ad spend in the quarter just gone. It is about now. It is about the coming quarters. When will advertisers be bringing their budgets back? And so I think that's why you're seeing a lot of the tech companies now really focus on costs and cost cutting because that's what the market wants to see, some discipline in that area um, in the face of slowing revenue growth. Yeah, speaking of cost cutting, we will now hear from Facebook parent Meta tonight, which is set to report. We'll see if there are any signs of cost cuts there. Arjun, good to see you. Thank you. Back to the broader market, a new fallout from Reuters today, finding forecasters believe the global economy is approaching a recession while central banks keep raising rates to bring down inflation. Economists say the downturn will be short and shallow in most countries, but that may also keep inflation elevated for longer. They expect global growth to slow to 2.3% in 2023 from 2.9% this year, but rebounding to 3% in 2024. Get this. Only six of the major 22, uh, the 22 major central banks are expected to hit their inflation targets by the end of next year. The Fed expected to hike rates by 75 basis points for the fourth straight time when it meets next week. But economists say it should not pause until inflation falls to around half of current levels. Let's talk more about this and the impact on markets with Anika Trion, chief economist at Van Lanschlag Kempen. And Anika, great to have you on. Really in really find your results here interesting. Here's one question to you. If inflation is so stubbornly high, should the Fed move away from this arbitrary inflation target of 2%? Good morning. Well, that's a tricky one because I think the Fed is fully focused right now on restoring its credibility. And in all fairness, the Fed has done a decent job in anchoring the long-term inflation rates. That's what you see in the markets. To let go of that 2% would be sort of catastrophic when it comes to restoring the credibility. So I think they have to continue to harp on that same tune in order to you know, keep up some consistency in the market. I think the biggest risk to the market right now that we see is too much over-focus, over-emphasis on this Fed pivot. And to your point, I mean, you raised this point in your note here that monetary policy can have a delayed impact on the economy, although many people would say it's already showing up. If you look at what's happening in the housing market, What's happening in the equity market right now? On average, how long does it take to really feel the effect and, and bring inflation down? So you, you, you can study what's happened in the previous cycles. And obviously, the world changes per cycle. So it's difficult to make it completely scientific. But the point is, it's a six-month-plus mechanism. And that's why, indeed, the time lag is so paramount. And if the Fed is so keen to restore credibility, there is a very large risk that this pivot that we're all talking about or this less hawkish behavior takes longer than expected. And I think what's maybe even more important than that is inflation wildcards out there. Not enough people are talking about China, the wildcard of China, once it finally starts to uh, reopen a pretty much locked up economy. Yeah, betting on that rebound in China. That is, uh, you know, if anyone can figure out when that happens, um, that would be key. I think in forecasting a recession at this point seems really redundant. What does this mean for earnings? Big companies here in the U.S. So certainly the message from big tech so far hasn't been great. 
Well, that's the other remarkable thing. Earnings estimates have held up extremely high. So if you look at analyst estimates for U.S. corporate earnings, you know, it's still up. It's still a high single digit growth expected for 2023. In Europe, low single digit growth. If you look at how earnings estimates have changed over the last couple of months with this really bleak macroeconomic data, earnings estimates have hardly budged. So this earnings season, we're in very early days, but you see sort of whipsawing effects. So I think, you know, there's a lot of sentiment, negative sentiments, low positioning in equities, which gets those contrarian bulls going. But you need to see earnings estimates be reset first. All right. Dow implied open now down two points. Anika, thank you. Anika Trion. Thanks. When we come back, higher costs hitting the stock especially hard before the open. That's the mystery chart we will reveal next. Plus, wrapping up day two of Davos in the desert. We've got a live report from Riyadh ahead. And later, the worst is not yet over for Ye, as more brands cut ties to the rapper-turned-fashion mogul. A very busy hour still ahead on Worldwide Exchange. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Time now for some of your big money movers, and we're going to start with a semiconductor player, Texas Instruments. Third quarter earnings and revenue beat forecasts, but the chip maker is projecting fourth quarter results below estimates, anticipating a slowdown in orders as retailers and consumer electronics makers uh, deal with excess inventory. Now, TI's stronger segments, such as industrials, are also starting to show signs of weakness as customers become more cautious amid global uncertainty. F5 reporting better than expected Q4 results. As revenue rose 3%, the software and services provider says businesses will likely benefit from tailwinds to its systems division as the global chip shortage clears up. But the company is forecasting first quarter results to be below analyst estimates, and that's why you're seeing shares down about 4%. Shares of Skechers tumbling in pre-market. The sneaker maker's third quarter profits missing forecasts, although revenues beat it's also giving weak guidance for the fourth quarter. The company says while demand remains strong, it's facing multiple headwinds from foreign exchange rates to supply chain challenges and ongoing COVID-related lockdowns. And check out that chart. Stock down 13% in pre-market. Jamie Dimon, Ray Dalio, David Solomon, and Stephen Schwartzman are among the investors and business leaders in Saudi Arabia this week for what's being dubbed the Davos in Desert. 
And after a few rough years due to COVID and other controversial issues, it appears to once again be the can't-miss investment event in the region. Our Dan Murphy joins us live from Riyadh with the major highlights. Hi, Dan. Hi, Seema. Well, recession fears have been ricocheting in Riyadh. The Goldman Sachs CEO, David Solomon, was on stage alongside JP Morgan's Jamie Dimon, both CEOs doubling down on their calls that global growth is slowing. Solomon said the Fed hikes are going to cause economic conditions to, quote, tighten meaningfully in the coming months. And Jamie Dimon agreed with him. He said as well that the geopolitics surrounding Russia and Ukraine and the United States and China are equally, if not more, concerning for the global outlook. Also seem a really strong words from the Saudi energy minister on the fallout from the OPEC plus cut that's really caused tensions with the United States. With all of this recession talk that we've seen from these top CEOs, the energy minister said that countries should not be tapping into the, uh, their emergency oil reserves. He said losing emergency stock may actually become more painful in the months to come. And interestingly, the former Aramco executive, Sadat al-Hussaini, told me that those comments were directed at the Biden administration's use of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Listen to this. The Strategic Reserve in the U.S. has had a very important uh, security function for the U.S. and for the rest of the world. And to then just start tapping into it uh, on time to time for commercial reasons, uh, maybe not even very enduring or very helpful, uh, it just undermines that whole security function. So while we've seen these tensions between the United States and Saudi Arabia continue to ratchet up, Seema, it doesn't appear that Wall Street has been very phased. This event attracting thousands, all looking for new investment opportunities across Saudi Arabia and the region and the rest of the world. Back over to you. Dan, I'm curious, the Federal Reserve and the rate hikes we've seen over the past couple of months, it's uh, put a lot of pressure on major emerging markets. It's sent their currencies to new lows. It's made the cost of their debt much more expensive. I'm wondering, given that you're in Riyadh, in Riyadh at this major conference, is you're feeling, if you're hearing any pushback from these major countries and their leaders? Well, of course, what we see across many of these markets, including here in the Middle East, is that when the Federal Reserve hike rates, uh, they, of course, have to continue in lockstep with their own domestic central banks because the currencies are pegged locally, including the real here in Saudi Arabia or the dirham in the UAE. So local, local central banks, of course, move in lockstep with the Fed. In terms of the economic outlook, though, Saudi Arabia is going to be one of the best-performing uh, economies in the entire G20. Uh, in fact. So clearly, despite the fact that we have seen some of these global economic concerns, perhaps economies in this part of the world are a little more shielded as well, because they're also petrodollar economies. The price of oil hitting up to $140 a barrel this year, certainly also supporting the outlook, Seema. So there's a lot of optimism in this part of the world right now, perhaps compared to what we're seeing in the United States and elsewhere. Yeah, perhaps if you're an oil producer, you should be. Dan, thank you. Great to see you. Dan Murphy in Riyadh. Still on deck, Democrats hoping to maintain control of the Senate in jeopardy after last night's sole debate for Pennsylvania's open Senate seat. A live report from Washington ahead. Plus this morning's RBI and putting the stock market volatility of 2022 into some perspective. Worldwide Exchange, back after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, 
packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back. Time now for something random but interesting. For that, we send it over to Brian Sullivan. It is time for your morning RBI, and today let's talk stocks. Because did you know that this stock market is in rarefied air, doing something it nearly never does? It's true, at least when it comes to volatility. Let's explain. And this cool stat comes courtesy of Datatrek Research. All right, first, normally volatility is relatively low. That is true by definition, meaning that on most days, 68% of the time, according to Datatrek to be exact, the S&P 500 will close within 1% of the previous day, 1% up or down. The index, say, is up four-tenths one day, down three-tenths the next. You get the idea. But when markets get nervous, they get more volatile with larger price swings. And that is where we are right now. And in fact, we are nearly in historical territory when it comes to these bigger swings. Datatrek notes that going back to 2005, there have been only been four times We've had the S&P's 100-day price volatility consistently over 1.5% per day. Well, this is one of those times. And we've actually had a 110-day run in this turbulent territory. Those other times that we have seen these kinds of consistent outsized moves, it was the early days of the pandemic. It was the Greek debt crisis back in 2011, and the most volatile time of all in the past 20 years, was the financial crisis when, for five months, from late 2008 to March 2009, index actually had nearly double the average price swings that we have now. Very scary times back then, and we are not too far off them right now, which is why Datatrek notes that if this year feels worse than some other tough years, it is. The big price swings, you know, down a lot, up a lot, down a lot, are not your imagination. And Datatrek notes, these periods generally only end with a big shift in either fiscal or monetary policy. In other words, as annoying as it is to talk about the Federal Reserve every day, the Fed ending rate hikes may be the only way we stop these roller coaster markets. Random, but interesting. All right, to the midterm election, Pennsylvania Lieutenant. Governor John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz facing off last night for the one and only debate of what's become perhaps the most important Senate race in the country this year. NBC's Bree Jackson joining us from Washington. Hi, Bree. Good morning, Seema. Well, we saw fireworks and we saw something new. Both campaigns agreed to have closed captioning screens to help Democrat John Fetterman uh, as he deals with an auditory issue. The open U.S. Senate seat in Pennsylvania is seen as critical for gaining control of the upper chamber. A showdown for Pennsylvania's U.S. Senate seat. Democrat John Fetterman, who's recovering from a stroke, addressing the elephant in the room. For the first time, we saw closed captioning used on stage. I might miss some words during this debate. Verbal jabs flew between Fetterman and Republican Mehmet Oz. I'm running for the U.S. Senate because Washington keeps getting it wrong with extreme positions. Here's a man that spent more than $20 million of his own money to try to buy that seat. Concerns over issues like inflation and crime are driving early voters to the polls in record numbers. 
In Georgia, officials say more than one million residents voted already. Every voter, Republican, Democrat, and Independent, understand that their vote is extremely valuable in the state. Incumbent Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock is facing off against Republican challenger and former NFL star Herschel Walker. I spoke with Georgians about the national implications. We're the state that kind of brought the, the U.S. Senate to um, the 50-50 balance that we currently have, and I hope that we can be part of maintaining that personally. Herschel Walker, if he's successful, for the next six years, we will have a champion in Georgia who will rein in the reckless spending in, in Congress. With control of the Senate on the line, voters are motivated to do their part. And on Friday, President Biden returns to Pennsylvania to campaign for Democrats. And former President Barack Obama will hold a rally in Georgia. Signs that Democrats are bringing in their heavy hitters during this final stretch in an effort to maintain control of Congress. Seema. So much focus is on that ultra tight battle for Senate control. But the House is also up for grabs in 13 days. Where, where do things stand? Well, Seema, history shows that the party that's held the White House typically loses seats in a midterm election in a president's first year. And Republicans do seem uh, to have the advantage heading into this November election. Uh, so if do, Republicans do take control of the House and the Senate, uh, that could make it a tougher road for President Biden to move forward with his agenda. Bree Jackson in D.C. Thank you. Coming up, one of the most high-profile IPOs of the year getting set to make its public market debut today. An IPO. We'll be right back. Stocks pointing to fresh pressure after three days of solid gains as earnings worries raise fresh doubts for investors. Alphabet and Microsoft part of that pre-market pressure after rare earnings disappointments. A common theme weighing on shares of both and the potential warning for the broader economy. And the fallout for Kanye West over his anti-Semitic comments continues to grow. Another retailer pulls his products from its shelves and a pair of sports superstars cutting business ties with the rapper. It is Wednesday, October 26th. You're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back. I'm Seema Modi in for Brian Sullivan. Good to be here with you. It's right around 5.30 a.m. in New York. Let's get a check on U.S. stock futures. Disappointing earnings from major tech giants showing up in the pre-market action. Take a look at the Nasdaq, which actually ended higher in the regular session yesterday. Right now, pointing to a lower open, down 200 points. Dow Jones Industrial turning negative, now down 43 points. S&P 500 in pre-market action, suggesting a lower open as well, down 28 Let's get a check on some of your morning's top stories. Silvana Hanau, here with those. Silvana, good morning. Seema, good morning. Shares of Intel self-driving technology unit Mobileye are set to begin trading today after its initial public offering topped expectations. The company selling 41 million shares for 21 each, raising $861 million. Now, those shares were expected to price for $18 to $20 each. Mobileye will trade on the NASDAQ under the symbol MBLY. Apple says it will comply with a new European Union law mandating its iPhones and other devices adhere to a common charging standard. The company's senior vice president of worldwide marketing saying the tech giant will follow a ruling by EU ministers earlier in the week, ordering that by 2024, electronic devices will need to support USB-C charging. Apple's iPhone and other products currently use the company's proprietary lightning charger. 
And the fallout continues for Kanye West over his recent wave of anti-Semitic comments. Foot Locker is the latest retailer to cut ties with the rapper, producer and fashion designer now known as Ye. The company is pulling shoes from his Yeezy brand from its shelves. Meanwhile, the L.A. Rams' Aaron Donald and Boston Celtics' Jalen Brown have both announced they will leave the sports agency owned by Ye. Seema? Responding. Uh, Silvana, thank you. You got it. Back to this morning's top story, and that is Alphabet kicking off big tech earnings on a very sour note. The Google parent company issuing weaker-than-expected third-quarter results, missing on the top and bottom line. Revenue growth slowing to its lowest level since the start of the pandemic in early 2020. Even the company's most resilient businesses like YouTube and Search getting hit hard and raising concerns about the future for the digital ad market across all platforms and tech. Joining me now is Angelo Nazino, senior equity analyst at CFRA, to make sense of all of this. And uh, Angelo, just going through the earnings transcript from last night, what stood out to me was CEO Sundar Pichai on the call saying, we will focus on moderating operating expenses. I guess the question is just how much does this big tech company need to rein in on costs to satisfy Wall Street? Yeah, no, I, I think that's kind of what is top of mind for investors right, right now. I mean, if you kind of think about it, I mean, going into the, the third quarter numbers, I think everybody expected um, very tough economic conditions, right, in an added environment, just kind of what we've been seeing here and been hearing in recent months. Um, the, the problem is, you know, OPEX continues, at least in Q3, to grow north of 25 percent, while the top line is growth, uh, slow to about 6 percent growth. And that's the real issue here. Our view is that they are going to focus on, um, you know, the OPEX side of things. There's a ton of levers they can really pull on the OPEX side of things. And to us, really, that was the big disappointment in Q3. But in all fairness, it probably takes a couple of quarters here. So um, our view is we probably see the bottoming in terms of, uh, you know, EPS reductions in terms of the OPEX growth side of things, um, probably in the second first half of next year before we see a reacceleration of growth in the second half. And you see that full, you know, kind of um, benefits on the cost side, cost cutting side of things um, over the next two quarters. The, the, the decline for YouTube ad sales also really stood out. A number of analysts notes also talking about it this morning. Uh, this was the first time we saw this since the company reported its performance in YouTube in 2020. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a number of, a number of factors. I mean, clearly it is. Uh, you know, largely driven by what's going on in, in the macro side of things and the ad side of things. I mean, it's hitting all aspects um, of um, Google's business now. Um, the search historically has been very resilient and continues to be um, very resilient here on a relative basis. But on the, on the YouTube side of things, um, you know, you're seeing a shift, you know, clearly from kind of these longer form videos to short form videos. And you can thank TikTok for that. But when you do that, um, there's also kind of um, less less revenue potential um, tied to those type of videos. And um, also, you know, there are a number of factors that they're throwing in there to help better monetize that business. Again, it's going to take a couple of quarters um, for that to fully come into fruition. But um, at the end of the day, it's largely kind of, um, you know, what's going on in the ad side of things. And of course, kind of the shift from um, longer to shorter form videos. So, Angelo, is a takeaway here that Alphabet is being less affected by competition and more by just the macroeconomic conditions? And if so, I mean, is this a reason to, to buy the stock on weakness? Yeah, I mean, listen, in our view here, I mean, typically, um, you know, when you're thinking about the ad space, I mean, there are going to be times, um, you know, macro issues out there and times of, you know, cyclical factors that are going to impact this business in general. 
And, you know, we continue to think there's no structural issues here as far as Alphabet is concerned. And we also have to think about the tough comps, right? I mean, this was a business that grew north of 40% a year ago, and they're kind of bumping across those tough comps along with kind of the Forex headwinds there. So um, in our view, um, again, this is a, these businesses on the ad side of things probably bottom here over the next two quarters. And in our view, yes, you, you look to be more constructive mm-hmm. um, on this type of weakness. What will you be looking for from Meta tonight? Yeah, I think Meta is going to be a lot of, of what we saw, you know, on the YouTube side of things and also what we saw um, from Snap's results last week. So it's a name that we continue to avoid. Um, and we think probably going to get hit a lot more than what we saw on Alphabet side of things, as to be expected. But at the same time, we think a lot of those expectations have been built into the stock. All right. Angela, thank you. Meta is down 4% pre-market. Appreciate your time. Let's turn to Microsoft, the company beating top and bottom line expectations, but warning of a decline in PC sales and overall growth due to the strength of the dollar. Microsoft still faring better than most of its peers, despite posting its weakest revenue growth in more than five years, though the stock is down about 6% in extended trade. Joining me now is Jay Vlihauer, Managing Director of Software Research at Griffin Securities. Jay, thank you for joining me. What's your hot take here on Microsoft? Well, as you noted, revenues exceeded uh, expectations, uh, ours included, by about $400 million, uh, coming in at over $50 billion, earnings beat. Uh, their two, uh, first and third largest segments uh, were in line, essentially. Uh, where they beat uh, was in their second largest segment, what they call productivity and business process. This is where office lives, for example. Uh, the Azure business, which, of course, is a very closely watched business, uh, was in line with our expectations on a constant currency basis and on an as-reported basis. And uh, that's obviously very important. How do you expect Microsoft to cut costs? Are we expecting a decline in headcount? What other ways do you think this company sort of helps margins going forward? Well, we've seen for months that the company has clearly been much more prudent uh, in terms of uh, bringing people on. Uh, We track this number on a monthly basis. We publish regularly on it. And uh, we've known since May that they were scaling back uh, on the number of people they were looking to add. Now, they did grow headcount in the quarter fairly substantially. They did note that. However, um, we can see from the data at the end of the quarter and doing a spot check last night uh, that the number of total openings, uh, potential jobs, uh, has essentially collapsed. Uh, so the lowest in a number of years. So clearly the company has taken its foot off that gas. Uh, and that's one way, certainly, that a software company would limit expense growth. Window sales to PC makers expected to drop more than 30% in the quarter. This is a company that really relies on demand from enterprise, right, from businesses. What does that tell you about major companies scaling back their IT spend? Well, uh, the PC business was known to uh, to be in decline. Uh, That's no surprise that the Windows business, uh, which is only, by the way, 6 or 7% of revenue, uh, declined substantially, expected to decline even more substantially in in the quarter. Uh, but let's keep in mind that Azure uh, is at least four times the size of the, uh, the Windows OEM business, and it's growing substantially. So in terms of relative importance, PC is obviously very visible. It's, it's historical uh, business for the company. Uh, but uh, the real story is, I think, that the commercially oriented businesses uh, did well and are expected to continue to do well um, as per their guidance. Uh, it's really more the uh, high-volume, more consumer-oriented businesses, including gaming, mm. uh, that I think are going to be more adversely affected. 
Okay. Jay, we'll leave the conversation there. Thank you. Appreciate it. Microsoft down 6%. All right. Coming up on Worldwide Exchange, more of your morning's big money movers, including shares of Spotify. Under pressure, why the company may become the latest streaming service to hike prices. Worldwide Exchange, we're back in a moment. Time now for a bonus set of big money movers. There's a lot happening. Shares of Mattel falling despite reaffirming its full-year revenue outlook. But the bottom line is a different story. The toy makers slashing those forecasts to between $1.32 and $1.42 versus estimates looking for something closer to $1.50. The company is also, quote, reevaluating its expectations for next year due to market volatility. Stock down 5.4%. Check out shares of Spotify. After reporting third quarter loss that was wider than analyst estimates, the company's CEO, Daniel Ek, also floating the possibility of raising prices for the streaming service in the U.S. amid weaker margins and a slowdown in ad growth. On the call, CEO says his company has, quote, significant pricing power compared to rivals like Apple Music. Stock is down about 5%. Take a look at shares of Chipotle dipping in the pre-market after a mixed earnings report that saw sales come in just slightly below estimates. The company attributing the earnings beat to recent menu price hikes. CEO Brian Nichols saying the company is seeing, quote, minimal resistance to higher prices. We are less than two weeks away from the midterm elections, and it's not just candidates on the ballot this year. A number of states putting big tax changes up for a vote with billions in the balance. Robert Frank joining us now with more on where these changes may take place. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Seema. Well, 12 states, in fact, have tax changes on the ballots this uh, next month. The big three are California, Massachusetts and Colorado. Colorado has actually two ballot measures, one that would cut the current flat rate from 4.5 to 4.4 percent, and another that would reduce deductions for those making more than $400,000 a year. Voters in Massachusetts deciding on whether to keep its flat tax, that's been in place since 1917, or add a 4 percent surtax on those making more than a million dollars. That would give them a 9 percent tax rate. But the biggest is California. Proposition 30 would add a new 1.75% surtax on those making $2 million or more. The current top rate is 13.3%. That is the highest in the country. So if this passes, California's top rate would be over 15%. The combined federal and state rate would be over 52%. Now, the 3 to $5 billion in estimated revenue would go to EV infrastructure and rebates. It is backed by Lyft which has spent more than $35 million backing this measure to convert its fleet to EVs. Now, the Democratic governor, Gavin Newsom, the state teachers union and Republicans all opposing this measure, but seem a big fight in Colorado with a lot of money at stake, 3 to $5 billion a year in revenue. Back to California and that proposal there, Robert. What chances does it have of passing and what, what do the polls say? Like everything next month, this is going to be very close. This has to pass with a majority of voters, so 50% or more. Right now, it's at 49%. It had been doing even better. But when the governor, Gavin Newsom, came out and called this a Trojan horse for corporate welfare for Lyft, 
speaking to the amount of money that Lyft has poured into that, it started to get less support. So it's going to be like everything else down to the wire next month. Well, we'll be watching this story closely. Uh, Robert Frank, thank you. Great to see you this morning. Stocks trying to shake off earnings worries and keep the three-day rally rolling. What? Why your next guest says this most recent bounce back may be another market head fake. And be sure to tune in to the new episode of Jay Leno's Garage. Jay joins President Biden talking everything from hot rods to the future of electric vehicles. That's tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, only on CNBC. We We'll be right back. Welcome back. Time now for your executive recap. Three stories this morning you may have missed. Shares of Skechers are tumbling after a mixed third quarter. The company is issuing weak guidance for the current quarter, citing Forex headwinds and supply chain challenges. Stock is down 13 percent. Dr. Mehmet Oz and Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman facing off in the state's one and only debate for its open Senate seat last night. The candidates weighing in on issues from energy policy to abortion and the economy. Concerns for Democrats this morning over Fetterman's performance as he continues to recover from a stroke he suffered back in May. And Goldman Sachs is out with a new note saying conditions for a bottoming in U.S. equities are not apparent just yet, telling clients, quote, there can be significant downside if a proper recession occurs or geopolitical risks in Ukraine or elsewhere intensify. In case of a severe economic downturn, the Goldman team expects the S&P 500 to drop to 2,888, implying a 25 percent fall from yesterday's close. Here's a look at what's ahead for investors on the economic front. We get two reports focused on housing. At 7 a.m., we get weekly mortgage applications, followed by new home sales figures at 10 a.m. Another busy day of earnings with results from Meta, Ford, Boeing, Harley-Davidson, Kraft Heinz, and Norfolk Southern. Shares of Intel's self-driving technology unit Mobileye will begin trading today under the Nasdaq symbol MBLY, one of the few IPOs we've seen this year. And the new entry level and pro versions of Apple's iPads will hit store shelves today. Now, the earnings parade, once again, the key focus for investors. Quarterly misses from Alphabet and Microsoft weighing on futures and adding to worries of a coming U.S. recession. Also, the health of the U.S. consumer, really. Zachary Hill is the head of portfolio management at Horizon Investments. Zachary, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. What's the big message from big tech overnight? Well, you know, kind of going into this earnings season, we were thinking the setup was one of those things where sentiment was really negative and companies were actually doing a little bit better than expected. However, you know, those two releases last night uh, have us rethinking that a little bit. You know, those are some of the most secular growing part of, um, of big technology. You know, we've had a lot of issues with hardware and things like that so far this year. But to see some weakness there last night um, has us kind of rethinking that better than feared earnings uh, expectation. Putting earnings to the side for a second, we've had a nice little mini rally here. Three consecutive days of gains. The Dow Jones Industrials is at a six-week high. Is the path of least resistance higher or lower from here? Well, until, you know, earnings kind of came in a little bit soft last night, we thought the path of least resistance was higher. 
you know, a few times this year, the market has, has really tried to trade this peak inflation narrative. We've had, you know, some comments from a few more dovish Fed members saying they're going to try to downshift the pace of interest rate hikes. But, you know, as we look at it, um, inflation is the only uh, thing that the Fed cares about right now. They've made very little, if at all, any progress on their inflation target. And so, you know, we think kind of running up and seeing that that relief rally in markets, while it may be may feel good for a little bit, uh, is not going to be ultimately the trade that we're um, going to get on board with. The dollar has also weakened, but yet we've seen the effect last night from Google's CFO talking about how the stronger dollar has knocked five percentage points off of revenue growth. Uh, how do these major multinationals deal with a stronger currency? Are there uh, other, other strategies they can use from restructuring their businesses overseas? I mean, in addition to Meta, we'll hear from Caterpillar, another major industrial or major uh, company that has big international footprint. You know, the way companies are, are structured cross-border is not something that you can just restructure at, at, the, top, at, the, at the drop of a hat. Um, that's the kind of thing that takes many, many years. And so, you know, companies do do some hedging and things like that. But as we look at it, and we've uh, expected the dollar to remain strong all year long and c- continue to, so long as the Fed's only goal uh, is getting inflation under control and they're not making any progress to it, which is certainly how we sit today. Um, you know, we're, we're thinking about that in a few ways, you know, staying away uh, as best we can in our global portfolios from international stocks. Emerging markets tend to uh, struggle when the dollar is strong. And then trying to stay a little bit closer to home. And, you know, one area of the market that we like a lot is small and mid caps, just frankly, for that reason of what their revenue exposure looked like. A lot less overseas revenue than uh, the large cap indices in the U.S. And a lot of it has to do where interest rates go. We have a Fed meeting next week. Uh, is your consensus that we get a 75 basis point rate hike or, or do you think it could be even more than that? No, I think 75 is a lock for next week. Um, you know, we're going to be listening to a lot what Pal has to say. Um, you know, that's been a, a major market mover this year. And there's been a lot of confusion around around the Fed's goals. And certainly, you know, um, some prominent media le- leaks last week uh, in- injected more confusion into that. Um, we do think eventually the Fed is going to step down paces, their pace of interest rate hikes. They're not going to hike for 75 basis points forever and ever. Uh, the question is, and they need to do so without the market interpreting that as them being dovish and, you know, seeing another 15 or 20 percent rally in the NASDAQ like we have already twice this year. So that's a really delicate balance that's mm. by and large going to keep volatility elevated uh, and make it really hard to kind of lean into risk assets in a meaningful way. We hear from, um, oh, well, I was just going to say, you know, the, the read on the consumer, how closely will you be watching Meta, which is reporting tonight? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're watching every, this is a huge week for earnings. And so that, that's definitely very important. And certainly, um, you know, some you know, related companies last week have us a little bit concerned uh, around what, what they may have to say. Uh, but just, you know, to your prior question about the consumer, I mean, that is really uh, the thing that we're watching. Um, and so far, you know, they've defied some of the, you know, the, the doubters that we were going to see material slowdown. And we think that has to do with the labor market. Uh, people spend out of labor income and the labor market is quite strong right now. It is. We'll see if that holds next week. We get that all important job support. Zachary, thank you for joining us today. Zachary Hill. And a quick look at the futures, the pre-market action here. We're lower across the board. NASDAQ indicating a lower open by 181 points. Dow Jones Industrial down 41 points. Today we will hear from Meta, Boeing, Ford, a number of major companies. And we also get new home sales data. That does it for us on Worldwide Exchange. Thank you for joining us. Squawk Box is next.
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 